0: Good to see us all. Good to see some of these from a village. In. It's really good to see us all. Praise the name of the Lord. Turn with me, please. Exodus chapter 31. I just want to lift one verse. Exodus chapter 31. Of course, this is part two of the hand of God and the finger of God. The hand of God and the finger of God. Exodus 31, verse 18. And he said unto Moses, that is, Almighty God, Yahweh. And he said unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony tables of stone written with the finger of God written with the finger of God let us pray Father settle us in your presence and even as we have been singing your good and your love endures reach our hearts tonight open our minds and May our spirits catch what you're saying to us. Maybe take it home. And may the word of God find that lodging place in every single heart. Help us to see ourselves without you and with you. But help us, Lord, to draw close to Christ. May the Holy Spirit move from seat to seat from heart to heart, from person to person, meeting us, Lord, wherever you see fit in whatever way you deem necessary. And glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we have done part one last week of the hand of God. In the hand of God, it speaks of the power of God. When you read of the hand of God in the Bible, the hand of God moved, it speaks in a general sense that God's almighty power, that God's sovereign power, that God's power comes and, for example, he creates, as it were, the very heavens. He causes the Red Sea to open up that Israel passed through on dry ground. He pulls down the walls of Jericho, It is not a literal hand or a literal finger, as it were, but it is, metaphorically speaking, the power of God. We looked at it last week, and we looked how the Lord Jesus, he is seated at the right hand of God, or the right hand of the throne of God, the right hand of majesty, and Christ is seated there, even as the scriptures say in Matthew 26 and 64 That he will return again. Now that's important for us. It's important for every person this evening. To prick up your ears and listen. Christ is returning. And we are told that ye shall see the Son of Man sitting. In the right hand of power. Coming in the clouds. In other words, you and I will see the Lord Jesus Christ return. And the place or the right hand of power, the right hand of the throne, the right hand of God, the right hand of the Father, all of those speak of the place and the power and the authority that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the place of total sovereignty of the Saviour. God does not have a right hand like you have and I have. It isn't a hand with a thumb and five fingers either. It is the power, the place, and the authority of God. So last week we looked at how, in 1 Peter 5 and 6, what you and I are to do. Humble yourselves, therefore. In other words, when those who turn their nose up at the word of God, those who laugh at the preaching of God's word, Those who would shun the things of God and turn from the things of God, they are to humble themselves. Now I want you to take note because as we go into this, the finger of God, you will see that the man and woman, whether it's teenager or child or whoever, no one can come to Christ except the Father which sent the Lord Jesus draws them to him. In other words, the finger of God points to a man, to a woman, to a young person, to a child, to a boy, to a girl. That finger, that concentrated power of conviction touches the life through the preaching of the word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. No one can come to Christ except the Father which sent him and draw him by the preaching of his word and by, of course, the power of the Holy Ghost. But to humble ourselves, therefore, Under the mighty hand of God means that you and I are to, even as Christians, fully rely in, fully place your hope, your trust in, fully place your whole preservation under the hand of God, that God who is almighty will lift you up or exalt you in due time. Maybe you're not saved tonight. Well then, what would it mean to you? It would mean that if God is speaking to you, you'll see the finger of God is pointing to you. And if God is speaking to you, then you have the ability through imputed faith. In other words, God stirs you up, quickens your heart, makes you alive under the gospel, lifts you from the deadness of your sin, and God makes you alive that you may be able to realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you can humble yourself In the power and grace of God that Christ may exalt you in due time. Or in other words, that you would come under the fountain of shed blood that Christ shed at Calvary and be saved. So that was the hand of God, the finger of God. For example, if the right hand of God speaks of the power of God, the authority of God and the honor of God in which Christ sits and in whom Christ is. The finger of God speaks off, listening, the skill of God. It speaks off the skill of God. It speaks off the interested, intricate, detailed work and precision of God. In other words, God who was able to open the Red Sea caused the walls of Jericho to fall, enabled Israel to win in battle, caused them to be great in their nation with a King David over them and people coming to pay tribute. That was the mighty hand of God upon them. But the finger of God is when he comes in precision and he says, you must be born again and within your spirit, within your mind and heart, you know you must be born again. God is precise in everything that he does. The skill of God, the intricate details of God, the finger of God speaks of the choice, election of God. Let me say it again. The finger of God speaks of the choice, election of Almighty God. The finger of God speaks of the concentrated committal of God, bringing conviction, Convincing, compunction, health, healing, wholeness, wellness and happiness. When the finger of God comes upon a body, the finger of God is the power of God. Coming to that man, to that woman, to that person to heal them where they are. That is the power of the kingdom of God. For the finger of God is in creation It is seen in salvation and redemption and reprobation and judgment. It is prophetic, it is personal, it is powerful, and it is precious to everyone who knows the touch of the finger of God. The finger of God is the power of the kingdom of God. I want to say it again. The finger of God is the power of the kingdom of God. When you and I are worshipping in this place, Know this, that the finger of God is in the midst. The power of the kingdom comes and stirs our hearts and quickens our spirits. And he comes in power and glory to do his will, to work his way, to draw men and women to Christ and also to strengthen his people cast out demons and devils and all sorts of spirits that would oppose the word of God and all sorts of evil foes that would come against his people. That is the finger of God in the house of God. finger of God is already here tonight. The finger of God or the power of the kingdom is already here. The actual term or the exact phrase The finger of God is used just four times in four verses of Scripture. And so the first mention of it in Scripture is in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 19. We have Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh, or rather before God, being told to go to Pharaoh. And they're very nervous about Pharaoh. Pharaoh will kill him. Moses has been in hiding. And the last time he heard from Pharaoh, he wanted him dead because he killed an Egyptian. buried him in the sand and ran away Moses has been hiding in the backside of the desert he's watching Jethro his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years and suddenly sees a burning bush God tells him you're going to be a mighty one before me and you're going to deliver my people Israel now he says I stammer I stutter and Lord I'm no good for these things and maybe that's how you feel but he says I will bring your brother Aaron along and in Aaron's hand is a rod in Aaron's hand is a rod. And in Exodus chapter 8, the Lord instructs him to stretch forth his rod and smite it upon the ground. And the, the pharaohs there and the, the Egyptian wizards and, or the magicians are there. They're known as Janes and Jambres. That's another story. But they're there and every time God does something. Through Moses and Aaron, they copycat it. That's what the devil does. He copies things to make you feel that you're safe and secure. He copies religion and he copies spiritism and he copies these things that you will think, well, my great granny from the grave has told me I'm fine. It's a lying spirit and you're not to listen to it. My, my daddy or my mommy or my granny or my auntie or my sister or my brother from beyond the grave has spoken to me and says you're fine as you are. It's a lying spirit. It's a lying spirit that says you're okay in order to drag you to hell. Now I listen to this. These magicians stand before Aaron and Moses. And we're told in Exodus chapter 8 that after they sp- Aaron smites the ground at the word of the Lord, we're told the very dust of the ground comes as though it is lice. Or if you look up the word, it's the word gnats, Or it could be mosquitoes or fleas. fleas, as you would say. Can you imagine the dust of the ground being a carpet of fleas? <laughs> a carpet of fleas? Can you imagine being full of mosquitoes where it's full of the, uh, the malaria bug? How dangerous. And why would God want this to happen? Because God was showing his power. God was showing that he is a God of love, but he is also a god of judgment. Now I notice this: verse 19, the magicians they tried the same, but they couldn't copy this. They couldn't uh, mimic what Aaron and Moses had done with the rod. Verse 19 says, Then the the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. This is the finger of God. Notice what happens. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Do you notice that? And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. In other words, Pharaoh wouldn't listen. He hardens his heart, and he wouldn't hear the word of even his very magicians. Here's the thing, young people. Here's the thing, older people. Here's the thing, sir and lady and friend. If you and I do not hearken to the word of God, we do not listen to what God is saying and we even don't believe those who have told us time and time again, then God will show you. God will show you his wrath and his judgment. They said, this is the finger of God. We cannot copy this. This is the finger of God. This is too great for us. This is the finger of God. In other words, they're going to Pharaoh who magicians who don't believe in God, that is the God of Israel, the living God, but they're false gods and their demonic spirits they worship. And they say, see the God that we don't believe in? He's real. He's living, he's alive. And see what you're saying, it's the finger of God. Will you listen to us please, Pharaoh? God is speaking. Don't you miss it. God is speaking. Don't you miss it. Here we have the finger of God. Pharaoh's heart hardens and he wouldn't listen to them. The finger of God. It was not a conjuring trick as the magicians had used. It wasn't sleight of hand or a false impression. Instead, they acknowledge and express it as what someone has, uh, a few people of uh, greater theological expertise than, than me and, and, and by far so. They said it means this is what you're seeing, Pharaoh. This dust being turned into lice or mosquitoes. This dust being turned like this. The finger of God means they went up to Pharaoh and they said, Pharaoh, now you listen. You see what you're hearing? You see what we're telling you? Do you see what you're seeing here? This is the activity of Almighty God. These men were shaking in their boots. These men were playing God. And when God really spoke, the finger of God came in. And they said, this is the activity of God among us. You know what my prayer is and the prayer of many of us in this house? That every time we come through those doors, we will be aware, we will be conscious of the activity of God. that we will be aware that God is moving and God is active in our midst. But here's the thing. Are you aware of the activity of God tonight? They said this be the activity of God. In other words, they're saying this is the power and the skill of God and work. The plague struck at the heart of Egypt, Egyptian worship. See, when they, as soon as they went by God's word and as soon as they stepped out in faith, can you imagine if you think that God spoke to you with a stick and says, hit the ground and see what happens. Well, you would try it. But if he says, I want you to go to Westminster and I want you to go to Stormont, And I want you to take that stick, a lifeless, dead, dry old stick, and I want you to take it and hit it upon the ground and say, the place is going to be full of fleas and mosquitoes. Be like clouds you can't see. They're going to gnaw and eat at you. Would you have the faith to do it? Would you have the faith to do it? Can you imagine Aaron and Moses going before Pharaoh, this dead stick, I have to step out in faith and believe God, the God who, who's called me from the backside of the desert, the, the God who's told me I must go. I'm stepping out in faith. And once they done that, the plague struck at the heart of Egyptian worship. I want you to notice that. The plague struck at the heart, struck at the heart of Egyptian worship. Especially it struck right into the priesthood of Egyptian worship. Right into their very, their very church, if we can call it. Their, their demonic church, the satanic church. God's power, God's finger entered right into the very center of where those satanic spirits were. You know what happened? They couldn't operate. They couldn't move. They couldn't have their worship to their heathen false deities. You know why? Because the finger, the power that created the heavens and the earth was in their midst. He sent little lice or mosquitoes. And you see, the rituals that they needed couldn't be done. And to offer up something that was full of mosquitoes to the gods of Egypt that would not be accepted because they were lice infested. So he stopped the very demonic spirits from attacking. Here's the thing. If you're not saved tonight, you're under the influence of the devil himself. Now let me say it again. I want you to listen to this. If you're not saved tonight, you are under the influence of the devil himself. You are bound by the world in the world system. You are bound up with the things from an underworld, from a spiritual world, where you cannot see. You're bound up. The devil has become your reigning king. Do you see when the finger of God touches your life? Do you see when the Word of God starts to enter your heart? Do you see whenever you know that it's the finger of God, it's the word of God, and you know you're not right and you call for mercy, Jesus comes in and he kicks the devil out and he puts up an old sign under new management. The devil could not move against the power of God in Egypt. The power of God was laid bare before them as Yahweh, the living God. Removed all all so-called obstacles that were in their way. He proved himself the true and living God. And this says the finger of God. The cry, they cry, and they resisted when God came to show Himself to them. Here's the thing: How many times must God speak? And what will it take for God? What will it take that God has to do for you? What will it take that God has to do to speak to you when the finger of God has been upon your life? Christian, what does it take for the finger of God to be in your life to tell you to draw closer? That compelling power, that drawing of the Spirit when he says, come into my presence. What does it take for us? For here was the finger of God, a divine manifestation. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Someone here tonight will harden your heart. You'll harden your heart and you'll turn away from Christ. What will God have to do to get your attention to believe him? Here's the thing, the obvious gospel I called it. The obvious gospel was Not that it was just spoken by some man of a little story of of a mighty God that has come into the midst. The obvious gospel was that God was really, fully, truly and totally in all power and glory with his finger in the midst of Egypt. It was obvious even when the magician said this is the finger of God. They're saying, this is the power, common precision at this place and point in time. This is the power of God. This has come, and it has pinpointed us that we need to get right with him. The obvious gospel, there was clear conviction, the inward speaking, the, the, the still small voice calling. The mind thinking, the spirit quickening, the word resonating and the pulse racing. That's what happens when the finger of God comes upon a man and upon a woman. They start to know, God, you are speaking. You're dealing with me, Lord. You might not like it. You might feel like getting up and running out. You might want to run away, you might not want to come back, but I'll tell you one thing. When the finger of God is upon a man and a woman, God will pursue you. You'll go to bed and you'll say, oh I'm glad to get out of there tonight. And the finger of God will still be poking at you you get up in the morning to go to school or college or university or work or whatever. Or to go shopping, whatever you're going to do. The finger of God will still be speaking to you. You know you're not right with me. The finger of God, the power of God, the skill and the activity of God in your life and the heart will pursue you. And pursue you. You know why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Think about it like this. The tug on the sinner's heart. The spiritual pull on your mind and your thoughts. The still small voice which keeps on and on and on at you is that finger. God's activity in you, for you, to you and through you. Listen, it is the effectual calling of God to you. In other words, it's that big hand as it were. Metaphorically speaking it comes and says, I am speaking to you. Do you remember that ad used to be in billboards everywhere for the the national lottery and there's a big finger and he used to go, it's you. (laughs) See when conviction comes of the Holy Ghost, God says, I'm speaking to you. It's you. It's the effectual calling of God to you. It's the quickening of the Holy Ghost in you. It's the irresistible grace of God wooing you, loving you, drawing you, opening his arms to you and saying, Come to me, drawing you with this irresistible grace. You know, one man once called it, he says, Irresistible grace. We just cannot resist the grace of God, and God keeps loving us, and God keeps pursuing us. And, God keeps dealing with us, and God keeps speaking to us. And and you know, and that's all true, and it's irresistible till one day we eventually say, Oh, I choose Jesus. But you didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. But one man said, Irresistible grace should be called invincible grace. It's invincible. You see, when God sets his love on a man and a woman you will find that grace is invincible. And see, when you come to Christ, you think, I'll never keep it, you're right, because his grace is still invincible. Though we fail and fall every day, his grace is always sufficient for every single one of us. The word of God enters you. Imagine this, the same finger, the same power, as it were, that caused Egypt to come to a standstill the same finger which cleared all self-delusions and sideswept all the false, heathen, idol and gods. The one in the self-same finger which sent the plagues and caused the land to be full of lice, fleas, or mosquitoes is the same finger of God tonight. Think about that. The finger of God that those magicians cried, this is the finger of God. It's the same finger of God which is in this house tonight. Exact same. God has been in Egypt. And God has been all around the universe. And God who is in all things and through all things. Governs all things and sovereign over all things. Think about this. Almighty God, the creator of everything and you and I live and move and in him we have our being. His finger is here tonight. He's here tonight. The finger of God and the power of God which speaks to you and to me, which points to us, comes to you and sideswipes all of our self-delusions also. The same finger of God which shows you his power, his way, and his salvation is only made possible. It's only made possible by the moving of God himself. Here's the second mention. And we're moving quick. That was my longest point to be glad to hear. Here's the second mention. The second mention is in our reading, Acts 31 and verse 18. When they cried, this is the finger of God. Notice, it's to do with the standard of God's kingdom in our reading. Notice this same finger, which they say this is the finger of God, makes Moses on a mountaintop and scrolls the ten words or the decalogue, the ten commandments into stone, <laughs> written with the finger of God. And it's to do with the standards for God's eternal kingdom. It's the expectation of holiness of Almighty God. Please draw in close to me now. This is important for the Christian too. This is to do with holiness before God. This is to do to show you and I how much... We need the grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ for these ten commandments there's not one man or woman in this house who has been able to keep them. We've all failed. We've all broken them. Every one of us. Well, thank God for his grace. It's to do with the kingdom of God the expectation of holiness before God it's a contract before God and man from Yahweh's heart to Israel's here. Written, notice what it says. Written with the finger of God. Now, see if someone says to you, I want that in writing. You know why? If you get something in writing, you have it. They said it. If you get something in writing, they said it. There's it there. There's their signature. I've got it in writing Lord. Do you know God's word he's given us it in writing? His own mouth has spoken it. His own hand has written it. And God has placed it within us. So you and I can claim the promises of it. Written with the finger of God. The word here for written gives the idea of an an act which is completed in times past having present results. In other words God's word never changes. God's word never changes. Notice this. It was written in stone. Here is the concentrated commitment of God to you and I. It is a chosen choice election of God. It's pinpointing his people with his finger. In other words, you know what God is saying? Here's commandment one, commandment two, commandment three, right down to commandment ten. And you know what he's saying to you and I? For you and I are to pray, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. But you and I break it. You and I fail it. So what happens? Heaven came to earth. Christ came. Kept the law that we couldn't keep. Kept the law that you break every single day. And he nailed it to the tree. Ten words were cut and pressed into stone by God himself. And this was the work Of God, the writing of God, written with the the finger of God. Notice it was all of God. Everything to do with your salvation and mine has to do with God. Start to finish, beginning to end. There is absolutely nothing you can do to be saved. There's nothing you can do to keep yourself. All we can do is rely in the word of God written in our hearts... The grace of God abounding over our sin, the love of God which surrounds us and engulfs us, which is never ending. All we can do is hope and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ and the assurance and security that He alone can bring. It's all of Him. It's all of Him. The third mention, moving on quickly, third mention. The finger of God is found in Deuteronomy nine and verse ten. And here we find that the finger of God is mentioned, uh, and it's repeated from our second point. Really, it is the exact phrase is found. Deuteronomy 9 and 10, we find that Moses is reminding Israel of the unchanging written word of God, the unchanging God who has written his word in stone. Now, listen to this. It was written with the finger of God and still stands, he says. And how quickly... How easily, how willingly, how readily had Israel broken his law? Can I say how easily, how quickly, how readily did you and I? And so when they enter the promised land with victory over their enemies, they are not to say, they are not to claim. And here's the thing. Before I read this next verse. Do you see the day that you and I enter into heaven? Do you see the day that you and I who are the redeemed saints of God the day you and I march in as it were in victory march and gather around the throne of grace? Do you see the day that you and I that we worship our Lord Jesus Christ while others are being cast into hell? Do you see that day? This is this is a verse for you and for me to remember. For God said this as Israel were to go in to possess the land which God had given. Notice what he says, Deuteronomy 9 and verse 4. Speak not thy in thine heart after that the Lord thy God has cast them out. That is the enemy from before thee saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. There is nothing righteous in any single one of us before we come to Christ. There's no religion. There's no ceremony, nor ritual, nor tradition that can make us righteous. And we're going to enter the kingdom of God solely through the grace and the precious shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I get there, I will be singing, Save by grace alone. Thou alone, Lord Jesus, art worthy. I puffed up, were Israel, and how puffed up, command be to think we can save ourselves when Christ had to die on the cross. It's all the absolute sovereign work of God. The finger of God points to you, pokes you, prods you, persuades you, and he alone can carve his word into the depraved, dead, disastrous, despicable, stony heart of man. As he did in the Ten Commandments, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33 says, that he would make a new covenant with us and he would write it in our hearts. Only God can with his finger, with his work, his activity in spiritual masonry turn a heart of stone into a walking, talking, living, breathing heart of flesh. Fourthly and finally, last mention of this exact phrase, the finger of God is found in the New Testament and it concerns our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 11 and verse 20. Oh boy, this is one that people like to dance around. But let's just look at it. Luke chapter 11 and verse 20. Jesus casts out demons from a young boy. And the old Pharisees are looking at him and saying, Oh, you shouldn't be doing these things. Listen to what he said. But if I, with the finger of God, here is God manifest in the flesh. Here is the only literal finger of God there is, Christ's finger. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt, notice, no doubt, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here's what I wrote when I sat at my desk and I worshipped the Lord for that one verse. Seen him no doubt See when I touch you son. See when I convicted you. See when I keep you. See when I prod you. See when I lead you. See when I guide you. See when I impute power into you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Think about it. Where angels worship around the throne. And elders bow down before him that has come upon my heart and he has imputed it into every born again saint of God. The kingdom of God is within you tonight. When you're praying, remember, the fingers of God will rest upon that man and woman in the sense that the kingdom of God will come in power when you're praying. You are the conduit between God and man in the spiritual sense. Listen to what I wrote, sitting as a worship, oh, you're wonderful. I could have stood in my head and spat nickels and nearly div out the back window to land on the ground, but hurt myself. I was jumping with joy. I wrote, There's more power and authority in Jesus' finger than in the devil. And all the demons and darkness of hell. That's what I wrote. That which is not in heaven should be challenged here on earth. Think about it. That which is not in heaven should be challenged here on earth, should be eradicated and defeated here on earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I know in its fullness there's coming a day when Christ breaks the clouds and at the right hand of the power of God. I know that. But Christ has left and given us his Holy Spirit. And his authority and his word. Listen to this. Heaven, or what is in heaven, rather, what is in heaven should be and should come to earth. Worship, glory, power, authority, righteousness, holiness. Now, let me say this that is what is in heaven tonight. And since the God of heaven is here in his power through the power of his spirit, then that which is in heaven should be here on earth. Do you know when we worship tonight? You may have tried to look out through the bubble glass window. You might have stared at the ceiling. You might have wondered. Have a time to get to Newcastle for an ice cream before Maud's closes. <laughs> you may be one of those but every time I come to worship you know what I'm praying when I'm worshipping, I'm worshipping Lord, let your kingdom come. May the finger of God come in here. That's what the early Pentecostals believed. John G. Lake went to Africa. Rebecca there who just went out from the apostolic faith mission. And that apostolic faith mission was started by John G. Lake there. Signs and wonders and miracles. You know why? He believed in the authority of the scriptures. and He believed that heaven would come to earth. Because he was the contact between heaven and earth. Smith Wigglesworth believed it. George Jeffreys believed it. Stephen Jeffreys believed it. All the mighty Pentecostal fathers believed it. You know what happens? We have forgotten it! But God hasn't. God wants to bless this assembly. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless your home. God wants to bless our nation and our village more than we want to be blessed. For we refuse him. And when we say this is the finger of God. People turn up their nose. They harden their heart. They look away like Pharaoh. They don't want to know those things of God. They may be even not him. I'm closing. What is not in heaven. Should not be on earth. What is not in heaven should not be on earth. There is no sin, no sickness, no suffering, no fear, no anxiety, no pain, no anguish, no demons, no devils, no evil spirits. There's no poverty, no war, no lying, no crying, nor no dying in heaven. And that is what we're praying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven that God would raise up an overcoming church and that we would move in Jesus' name and praying for the king to come. Jesus says, but if I cast out devils, listen, this is Matthew's account, chapter 12, verse 28. Jesus says, if I cast out with the finger of God, but in Matthew's account, he says, but if I cast out devils with the spirit of God, The idea here is Jesus saying, see, when I cast them out, I'm saying it's the finger, it's the Holy Ghost. Do you see when we talk about the finger of God, it's the Holy Ghost. Note the word spirit is the word pneuma. Do you know when you're going along the road and you see the pneumatic drill? The guys with the earmuffs on and so loud, bang, 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 bang into the road, they're shaking all over the place. You see, it's powered by air by a generator that's pneumatic drill it's where we get our word spirit from here the pneuma that the Holy Ghost would come into here and go bang 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 right through all the hardness of every heart the pneumatic drill of the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God the finger of God goes bang 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 right through you The word kingdom is the word basilia. You know what it means? The royal power, the kingship, the dominion, the rule. Listen to this. The royal power of Jesus. (laughs) That the royal power of Jesus has come. But here's what one old scholar said. It means that the royal power of Jesus has come while being conferred onto Christians. You have the royal power of Jesus tonight. Reverend Leon Morris from Tyndale New Testament Commentary says the presence of the kingdom is to be seen not in good advice nor pious practices but in power that expels the forces of evil. An old reverend, not a Pentecostal. Listen to Dr. Timothy Keller, a Presbyterian minister from New York. God's kingdom is... Present in its beginnings, but still future in its fullness when Christ comes. What do I say, but there's so much more. You do so many weeks on that. The finger of God. You see when the finger of God says to you, you're not right, you're not saved, you need to be born again. Do you know what that means? It has taken heaven itself to open your heart, to stir you up. Because we are dead. Spiritually dead. But heaven itself comes and says, you're going to hell and you know you're going to hell. Listen, you're listening. This is nothing but the finger of God. Don't harden your heart. Please don't harden your heart. And give yourself over to Christ. For Jesus' sake. God bless us.